Welcome to Obsidian's podcast, Off the Rock, On the Record, where we'll host a number of our Rockstar team members sharing their insight and expertise on a variety of topics in the public relations and communication industries. Searching for insider tips on national pitching or event planning? Interested to know how we do things at Obsidian? Well, you might learn a thing or two by tuning in to these insightful conversations. So, let's listen in to what the team is talking about today on Off the Rock, On the Record. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Obsidian for Season 2 of Off the Rock, On the Record. I'm Taylor Jolly and I'll be hosting the conversations we have throughout Season 2 of our podcast. Today on Episode 3, we're chatting with Gracie Lee, Obsidian's Social Media Master. Gracie has been with the firm for two years, starting as a Level 2 intern and quickly climbing the ranks to her current role as an account specialist. She's a native Memphian, graduate of the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, and is the best person in the office to ask about the new hotspots in town. Thanks for joining me, Gracie. Yeah, thank you for having me. So this season, we've been starting every conversation by asking the same question, and I'm going to pose that question to you. What is a trend that you're noticing in PR? I'd have to say authenticity. That's so important when you're trying to connect with your audience these days, especially if you're trying to connect with those millennials and those Gen Z consumers. Um, These consumers are wanting to see authentic and personal content, especially when it comes to social media. Um, When you're genuine and open on social media, you're essentially creating this atmosphere for others to feel a part of and engage with. So if it's personal and it's authentic, then it's trustworthy and it's inviting. And we're seeing brands do this through influencer marketing, um, behind the scenes content, great video content, whether it's planned or live streaming. That is absolutely true that we are seeing so many brands because when you're In a situation like you are on social media, you have to interact with people. And if you don't have an authentic voice for your brand, it ends up becoming disjointed and people aren't able to build a strong connection with your brand. I think they just scroll right past it, too. They don't stop and really pay attention to the post. So you really touched on two things that we're going to talk about today. Later in the conversation, we'll talk about marketing to Gen Z and millennials and how those demographics have changed the way that we have to communicate with them. But we'll start by talking about social media. And if you're in the PR communication industry, you know that social media is a must, and it's a huge part of what we do on a daily basis. If you personally interact on social media, I'm sure you're familiar with businesses who perform really well on the platforms. Uh, For me, a lot of fast food companies like Wendy's and Taco Bell come to mind when you think about companies who do really well on social media. But it seems that some platforms are better for businesses than others. And some businesses aren't on every platform. So as someone who works with so many of our social media clients, do you feel that businesses need to be active on every single platform? No, you're exactly right. When social media first became a thing, I feel like businesses felt like they had to be on every single platform just to have a presence. Um, But that's not the case anymore. You're really seeing businesses delete accounts that aren't getting that engagement that they're wanting. And they're really starting to focus and put their social media efforts on accounts that are working and are getting that engagement. Um, So you need to look at your audience and your content to determine which platform you want to be on. If you're looking to reach a younger audience, platforms such as Facebook and Twitter probably aren't the best ones to be on. So focus your efforts on platforms they are on and they're engaging with, like Snapchat and YouTube and Instagram. Now, that's not... I'm not trying to say that a younger audience isn't going to be on Facebook and older older audiences can't be on Instagram because it's different for every brand, but you just have to do that necessary research to see where your audience is. And I imagine, too, not only your audience, but your material and your business Mm -hmm. determine what kind of content. So I'm thinking, if I'm an attorney, 
why do I need to be on Instagram? That's for photos. I'm filing papers. I'm in the courtroom. There's not really a visual element to what I do, so maybe Instagram's not for me. Exactly. So kind of talking about content types a little bit more specifically, can you talk about why an attorney, for example, would need to be on LinkedIn but not on Instagram? There are several things to consider when you're choosing which platform you should be on. And choosing which platforms you want to focus on will probably take a trial and error period. But the content you're trying to share really determines where you should be. Are you mostly sharing link content? Are you mostly sharing visual content? This can be both photos and videos. And then how is your target audience engaging with this content? It all makes a difference. And I think that businesses should consult with the PR firm and social media experts who examine their audience and their current efforts, and they can provide insight. So when you're looking at platforms and trying to decide which one will work for your business and which ones you should be on, you mentioned that there's a trial and error period, but there are there kind of standards for what each platform can do for a business or how it should be used by a business? I think so. Um, I'll just go through all of them. Twitter, it's very in the moment. It's very fast. If you have quick news you have to push out, use Twitter. Instagram, if you have great visual elements, I think of restaurants, food, Mm -hmm. um, you know, event planners. um, They have those visual elements that they can put up on Instagram. Um, You don't want to be using Instagram if you don't have engaging photos that you can put up. Facebook is kind of a one-size-fits-all. If you have visual content, that's great for Facebook. If you're sharing link content, that's also great for Facebook. I'll jump in on LinkedIn. I think that LinkedIn is a really great credibility builder for businesses, and especially businesses where you're working with a professional Mm one-on-one. So it's kind of like client service type businesses because you're able to not so much communicate as a business, but your employees are able to disseminate your messages and to build connections that way. So it can be really great for client prospecting and credibility building. We've recently started diving into Pinterest as well for a few clients. That's another great visual platform. Um, We've also been using it for blog posts um, for a few of our clients. That's a great way to share um, your blog post and get people to come to your website and read it. Yeah, I did not even think of that, but I'm kind of in the market looking at buying a home or maybe renovating a home, and it would be so wise for local contractors to get on there and to share before and after our renovation tips. And obviously, there are some things that you can DIY, but when you're renovating a house, there are definitely things you'll need a contractor for. And so Pinterest would be a great place to to store information and share your content. So you mentioned earlier that we you really have to tailor your messages and your content to your audience, but I imagine to do so, you have to learn a little bit about your audience. So talk a little bit about gathering audience information through social media. Uh, We use Google Analytics to measure the impact of our social media marketing. We're constantly looking at both social media analytics and Google Analytics and how these relate to each other. And we're constantly looking at these analytics to determine or change our strategy when it comes to social media posting. When it comes to social media analytics, you always track post performance to determine popular content. Obviously, you want to keep posting or mimic content that's getting engagement, and you want to nix the content that isn't performing so well. If you can't reach the people you need organically, and most of the time this is the case, then you can boost content through the Facebook Ads Manager. It stinks to hear, but for brands, social media is not free. The platform is free and you may organically grow your audience, but when it comes to ensuring that your audience is going to see your content, that's a different story. So if you're allocating a portion of your marketing budget to social media, you're going to want to track how your posts are performing. 
We live in such a fast-paced digital environment where a strategy you use one week on social media can completely change the next week, and social media analytics are the best way to track your successes and your failures. I don't work on as many social media accounts, but I've seen with the few that I do work on that one month reach will be up 30% per the prior month, and then the next month it's down 10%. And so it, it can really fluctuate just depending on the voice you use, and I think too it also depends on some external factors. So what's happening in the world when the weather got warmer, our reach went down significantly because people aren't online, they're not inside as much as they were before. So you have to look at all those factors, and I think analytics give us a really powerful way to evaluate our successes and failures and make changes. Exactly. So I think for young professionals like us, social media marketing and engaging on social media is intuitive. We see it as a must, partially because we go to social platforms to gather information. So when I'm trying to find out if a restaurant's having a happy hour, I might go to their Facebook page and see if they've posted about it. And so recently I've noticed a trend that businesses are hiring millennials or even now Gen Z professionals to manage social media content. And I think that it has become apparent that the technological and digital communication benefits that come along with hiring a millennial are pretty drastic mm -hmm. um, because they are able to adapt and work quickly, use the analytics like we talked about earlier. Um, but I wanted to ask you, as a fellow millennial professional, what benefits beyond social media do you think we provide to PR firms and communication businesses? Well, we're very much seeing a shift in our PR efforts. Focusing on print stories just isn't going to cut it anymore. While landing a story in the newspaper about a client is still a great achievement, there are so many new and fresh and engaging tactics that can help us reach those goals for our clients. So I think us as millennials can offer that fresh perspective on how to change our strategy and mm -hmm. achieve those goals for our clients. And we're able to do that, like you said, because we're adaptable. And we grew up in such a fast-paced digital environment, so we're able to easily shift strategies when needed. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we're members of the largest growing generation, so we're very much in touch with the consumers. Absolutely. And I think that adaptability is huge. No matter what industry you're in, millennials can likely use technology to help aid the process and to make they can make quick changes and they're they're able to be flexible. So even though we get a bad rap a lot, I think that we do have a lot that we can provide um, as a benefit to businesses who are willing to, to give us a chance. What you last touched on, I think, is also huge. We're really in touch with the buyers of today because we are the buyers of today. So for PR and communication people, this is a massive benefit, having someone on your staff who is in that consumer demographic and is able to give you insight information. So what advice would you give to businesses, maybe that skew a little older, um, when they're trying to reach millennials? Like I said, our PR efforts are shifting and digital is key, so our strategies must shift. Um, when it comes to advertising, traditional print ads might not get that necessary consumer traffic you're looking for, so maybe consider non-traditional ads like podcast advertisements mm -hmm. or YouTube ads. I think video content is also a really great way to reach millennials. I attended a session at PRSA International Conference called Making Your Video Work For You, and the speaker noted that in two years, 75% of internet traffic will be video views. Mm -hmm. And just two days ago, we saw that Instagram launched their IGTV, so I think we're going to start seeing some really great shifts in video content. But when it comes to video, you have to have that wow factor for millennials to pay attention to mm -hmm. it. It should be short and sweet and visually appealing and unique. Yeah, and, and beyond video, I think how that video is delivered is a really 
big things. So not just on social media, but maybe in email. Yeah. Email marketing is another great tool, um, whether it's offering discounts or reward perks. That's a huge deal for millennials. But like I said, you have to make your email stand out um, or they won't read it. Again, it needs to be short and sweet, visually appealing and unique. That's something that I think is key. Um, Being willing and working into your pricing structure adding discounts and, and coupon codes. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm trying to be stingy, but there is rarely, there's never a time that I buy something online and I do not search for a coupon code right, first. Right. And I'm likely not going to buy something unless I can get a deal that is 20% off or greater. Mm-hmm. Because I know that in two days, I'll probably get an email that says 25% off your next purchase within the next hour. So I'm just going to wait until I get that. So I think the email marketing and discount and reward programs are huge. Um, reward programs are something that I think are incredibly beneficial and are a PR function. Mm-hmm. So creating a program that that entices your customers to spend more money with you, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. Exactly. That goes back to the personal aspect of right. a brand allowing those consumers to feel a part of a community. Absolutely. And you do. You end up creating a community. Um, I think a great example of this is Tom's. People who wear Tom's, Mm -hmm. they love to talk about Tom's. They're like my sisters as a Tom's person. I am not personally. (laughs) Um, But she like collects them and notices when other people wear them. And it's this whole little community that they've created. So in addition to like a one-for-one program that Tom's does. I think a lot of businesses are realizing that millennials care about social justice issues. And while we may not be able to cut you a $250,000 check that a nonprofit is looking for, I can buy a pair of shoes and feel good that a child somewhere else is getting a pair of shoes that and they didn't that have. message. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, another great example, and this kind of goes back to the email marketing, I am a subscriber to a vitamin program, and this is not sponsored, um, to a vitamin program called Care Of. And Obsidian actually got it for me for my anniversary, and I loved it so much that I ended up ordering them again. And they sent me an email yesterday about a really timely news story and said that if you add a vitamin to your order, the money will go to fighting a a specific cause that was happening. So I think that they've realized that millennials are interested in social advocacy and social justice and that if they don't align themselves with worthy causes that they might lose some business. One of the things that you mentioned on a little ways back that I want to talk more about is influencer marketing. And influencer marketing is something that FTC has come around and they're trying to regulate because there are so many kind of deceitful things that are happening with influencer marketing. But all of that aside, it can be a really great tool for businesses when it's done honestly and with integrity. So I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit more about that process. Influencer marketing is basically those non-traditional ads created and posted by influencers. This can be through blog posts or social media posts. What we do for our clients is we find those influencers that we think will make the most impact for their brand, and we offer them a free product or a free service in exchange for them posting about that product and that experience on social media. And some data suggests this strategy is more effective than regular social media ads. It all goes back to what I said earlier about millennials' attraction to authenticity Mm -hmm. and trust. And I think that it's so meaningful that if Gracie were to buy, let's say, a face wash, and Gracie uses it for a month, and she tells me at the office, I love this new face wash, 
that is going to mean more to me than if I get an ad for this face wash. The same thing goes with influencer marketing because you have to think you're building these connections with these bloggers or influencers or social media presences that you follow. And whether you view them as, quote, friends or not, you are influenced by their opinions. And so when brands partner with influencers, you're getting a more authentic interaction with your consumer. And so many times those influencer marketing campaigns allow your audience to see your products in action. I'm thinking like a HelloFresh or a Blue Apron. I know so many, I don't know them, I follow so many bloggers (laughs) who have literally live streamed them making a Blue Apron meal from unpackaging it to looking at the ingredients. And it was really eye-opening to me and and it felt authentic because I knew that this person wouldn't lie to me. And now you trust it and you trust the brand and right. you're willing to go try it yourself. Right. And I think this also can kind of tie into that social justice and advocacy thing and that brands can partner with people who advocate for certain causes and support their efforts. So I think it's just an all-around win. It's not perfect for every product. There are times when, I'm sure, Gracie, you've seen this, there's a social media um, like campaign fit, and I'm like, why would they pay that person to promote that product. It It just just, doesn't make sense. It doesn't vibe. Yeah. And I think that the authenticity plays into that. You have to know who you're partnering with. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit about authenticity and knowing why you should partner and who you should partner with, but what are some other things businesses should consider before fully embarking on an influencer marketing campaign? Well, definitely where the content will post, which platform do you want it to be posted on? And does this person have a following that meets your demographic? Like we were saying earlier, it needs to vibe. It needs to make sense why you're partnering with this person. But it's also very important, and you touched on this earlier, um, to note that if you're offering a free product or a service or if you're paying this influencer to promote your product or service, the post must very clearly make it known that it's an ad or that this person is sponsored. And a PR firm can help your business work out all those details with the influencer. Absolutely. Um, And I think one of the things, too, that we need to remember is there is a very big difference from sending somebody a PR package and setting up an influencer campaign. Yes. So, for example, I follow a lot of beauty influencers, and it has become standard that beauty and skincare products send PR packages to the biggest influencers. But they are not mandated or required to post anything about your products unless you have a signed contract and deal. So don't assume that just because you sent them something that they're going to post about it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, they have two, three, maybe even 10 million followers. So if you're not paying them, why would they give you that exposure? Exactly. Um, So... Influencer marketing is, is a really a really great thing for businesses to consider. So that was really all that I wanted to talk about today. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Um, we've touched on so many digital PR trends, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insight and your expertise. So I'm going to leave you with a final question, and we've been asking everybody this season, what is the best PR communication advice you've ever been given? Definitely keep it simple. In school, when I was in high school, middle school, I always hated when the teacher gave us an insane word count or a page limit that we had to meet when we were writing essays because my writing style has always been very concise and to the point. And just my luck, that's how we do it in PR. 
whether it's pitching or social media posts or blog posts or news releases, we as PR pros are tasked with getting our message across in the simplest and the most direct way. So always keeping it simple will help engage your audience more. Absolutely. And I was taught the same thing by my professors that we had to memorize this really daunting introduction to a chapter of a book called Strunk and White, The Elements of Style. And the first line is all I remember, but it really is all you need to remember. And it was omit needless words. Vigorous writing is concise. Yeah. So every word should have a meaning and every sentence should have value and every paragraph should be complete. Yep. And if it's not, cut it out. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Off the Rock on the Record. Next episode, we'll discuss client relationships with Murray, and there might be a little drama, so stay tuned for the tea. Uh, catch you next time on Off the Rock on the Record.